Thank you, Hannah Jo. Give her one more round of applause. Thank you. So this is what church is. You see a young girl when we started here. She was born here. She went to elementary school. She went to high school, middle school, high school, college. And now she's serving our students. So we want to thank all of the families. And we want to thank all of the, the workers, the teachers. We do this together. So that gives us a great joy to be able to see what God is doing and building the church. And I hope it's not only Hannah Joe and the rest of the team who are really doing stuff with students, but we the adults too, we are discipling, we are calling others to come and follow Jesus and build the kingdom. So good to see you and I can see your smile. Can you smile? I can see it. <laughs> right. I'll be talking about that later, that I can really see your smiles and appreciate your patience with us as we've gone through this last year. We are wrapping up the series on King David, a heart after God. We're wrapping up this series where we have seen that there have been moments in the life of David, and I pray that we too, as we finish this series, it's not just leaving this behind and going to the next one, but we are going to be men and women in this room and those joining us online, how all of us are going to have hearts after God, like David, and continue our David moments that we'll see everywhere that God leads us. So we're going to look back quickly and see what was that, what were those David moments? We see when David was called, he was anointed, and he was waiting, and he was in a time of preparation. He wasn't just anointed there in, in Bethlehem, in his father's house, Jesse, but there he was anointed, but he was in waiting for a long time. And while David was waiting, he just didn't sit around in his preparation. We saw he took on Goliath. We saw that he was a bold warrior. He took Goliath, but he continued to be a shepherd boy. And we see that he built friendship, even with the one that he was going to succeed, um, Saul. That there was a friendship between him, David, and the son of Saul, Jonathan. And they had this amazing friendship where they cared for each other, where they were building relationship and, and community that continued. David was always trusting God because he was going to be king of Israel, and Saul knew that. There were about six instances where Saul was going to try to get rid of David. David had his moment in the cave where he was that close to Saul, and he could have killed him. But he was trusting God for his plan. He said, I will not touch the Lord anointed. And he went on. He gave that space. So that was like a man who is trusting God for his future. We are trusting God for our church. We are trusting God for the next step. You may be trusting God in many things, in your marriage, in your family, in school, in summer. What are the kids going to do? You are trusting God. Let's keep trusting God and doing what he has called us. David also went above and beyond where he showed kindness to the grandson of Saul, Mephibosheth, where he was able to prepare a place for him. He brought him out from out of the woods and brought him to his table, provided for him. Kindness that changed what could have been in the line of, of Saul that he could have wiped out, but he showed kindness to that. David struggled in his own human flesh. He failed miserably 
we see that the trouble was not just in his household, but his moral life, the adultery he committed with Bathsheba. That was an absolute failure. He had already started failing by having more than one wife that God told him he shouldn't. He failed. But he confessed his sin. We went through that time where we went through Psalm 51 in the service. And just confessing where we have sinned, we repent of our sins and God's forgiveness. And David wrote that out, that, you know, God will forgive him and he will declare the grace of God to others. We see that shortly. David had many family troubles. You know, his son, he had, um, some people say about 19 sons, one daughter. There was always that mess in the family. It wasn't a good story, but David was trusting God. And we looked at David and prayers. He wrote the book of Psalms, uh, 73 of the 150 Psalms, where he tells about his love for God, his pain, his agony. So what made David to have these moments to stand out? It was because everything around David was idol worship. You know, the Philistines in, was living in Palestine, the Moabites, the Amorites, everybody around David was worshiping false gods. But David put his heart to set it and to only love God and not the idols around. It was, just, it was just easy for David to just pick up one of those. But when we want to see David as a man after God's heart, it was because he found out God and God alone not his wealth, he had mansion, he had a palace, he had everything he could have. Some people did a conversion rate, I, I, I read, he said if David was, a, was alive, he may have about $49 billion, everything he had. But he didn't put his trust in those. He didn't put his trust in his wealth, in his women, or in his warrior. But his trust was in God. The one that he would sing songs, he was a poet, he was a musician. He just worshipped God as we'll see today. We're going to be looking at one of the, the Psalms that David wrote. Because if you want to see a man after God's own heart, what did he say? We're going to be seeing what he wrote in, in the Psalms. We'll read that and draw some principles and application for ourselves and say, this is the way I want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart because of what David experienced with God. It is David and God. So we look at that, and we also look at ways that David went on to talk about what does it mean to praise God? You know, for David, what was praise? What was worship? Was it just because he was a musician, he plays his instrument, he danced? No, but David was showing that. These are the names I call out to God, and you will see how that applies to us. So if you are able, you could stand. I will be reading Psalm 19. If you please join me, if you are able to stand, I'll read Psalm 19, and then we'll continue. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They have no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heaven, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of the cha his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuits to the other. Nothing is depraved from its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the law are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the law are right, giving joy to the heart. 
The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So Lord, now Holy Spirit, take your word that we will hear, we will understand, and Lord Jesus, we will follow and obey you. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So what we're going to see here is David had written this psalm, and from this psalm we're going to see how this man and God had a great connection, a great heart. And if I want to be after God's heart, I could be one of those to say, let me follow what David was saying here. So the first thing we see is the King David delighted in God's presence. So imagine David was a shepherd boy, he's out in the field there, and he writes what he was experiencing about the presence of God right around him. He said, the heavens, he's looking at the skies and beyond, declare the glory of God. God is showing us that what we read here is that God's natural revelation is seen in creation. God's natural re revelation is seen there. It says the skies, they proclaim the work of the hands. Day after day, say they are showing the light. There's a no, no stop. Nothing stops the majesty, the grandeur of who God is and what he has created. Nothing will stop that. And David is saying, it's day and night I see God everywhere. I see God in everything. He says, I see this, the power of God, which is showing his glory, his wisdom. How does God orchestrate that, that day and night... There's a sequence, there's a cadence, nothing stops. Only God the creator. You see, as believers, we want to believe in a God who created. Now, David may have read what was in Genesis and all throughout the scriptures that really affirm his belief in a God who created this universe. He believed that there was a God who is all-powerful, that even being the king of the greatest nation at that time, he attributed everything to the power of God. And he says, some of these things that God have made, you could see it, and you could tell, and, but they sometimes don't speak. He said, no words, no voice, no sound. Well, what we can learn from this is that God's creation is continuously speaking about God himself. It's always there, the quiet ones and the loud ones. What a beautiful thing to be in the sunshine state, because David said something about sunshine state here. He said, the sun, I'm just reading that in. He didn't say that. He said in the end of verse 4, in the heavens God has pitched the tent for the sun. And he said, the sun that is going to rise from east, we get that, and to the west. And he said, it moves around and shows the majesty of God. It doesn't speak, but we can see it from east to west, and that is the beauty of the power of God. So living even in our state, if you are coming from 
Daytona Beach today, you will see the sun rise there and it's going to be setting on the other side of us. What a majesty of a God we love. He provides that for everyone can see the power of God. We live in a country and someone says we have over 400 national parks all over the place. You know, this is vacation time. Some of our members here are somehow online, you know, they are in Colorado, they are just enjoying the beauty, the Grand Canyon, and all the places you go to for vacation, you see the beauty and the grandeur and the majesty of God. And even without speaking, the power of God, we cannot resist it, it's everywhere it speaks. But also that power that God has given to mankind, God gives wisdom to people to be able to say, I can let you do something that will really show a majesty and the power of God, that the truth of God can be demonstrated in many, many ways. One of the places I just love to go here is on the other coast, go to the Space Coast, you know, NASA. You could see how men and women have just been given the wisdom that they are able to provide something that we have a power and those engines will just rev and just pop up and they are billions of miles away and come back. The majesty and the grandeur of God. When you fly in the plane, you see the beauty, right, Mike? You see the beauty over there. When you're way there, God is powerful. The blue skies, majesty. God exists. And that's just one proof that he is in the universe. But also God has made his creation, which is you and I. That's why now you, I can see your smiles. You know, you're not covering this, you know. Some people, some of the ladies told me they were not wearing makeup because you have a mask on. Now we can tell. But you are the greatest... <laughs> You are the greatest of God's creation and the beauty in made in the image of God, men and women, that will show the beauty and the majesty of God. Why should we not love him more? Why should we not fall in love with him and say, oh God, what you've made in creation and what you've made in each other in a building like this and people hundreds of miles away, they can hear and see us. It is because the God who is powerful has given. So David really enjoyed to be in the presence of God. He was delighted. Oh, that we don't miss the moments that when we're around the beauty, that we don't just complain and gripe and say, God, enjoy God's presence in everything you do, much more in the humans that he has given to us. So he was delighted in God's presence. And in verses 6 to 7, David desired to live by God's word. So we see here, David did not have all the scripture we have today. He had the Torah. But in verses 7 to 11, David is using certain words to describe that, how he desired and loved God's word. Here are some of the words he used. The law of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commands of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and the decrees of the Lord. He just tells us, what he had at that time was God's word that was in his hand. God has given us all that we need for life and godliness. He has given it to us in the scriptures. They are here. And we can take those truths from God and all other truth he gives us and have a confluence to say, this is what God is teaching us. But he not only tells us these words, you can find that in Psalm 119, Psalm 119, all of those verses, they tell us something, what the Bible is, what the scripture is, precept, the same words that I use here. But David goes on to tell us that this God 
who I worship, who is in my heart, he has also given me the benefits. If I read his word, this is what David said the word of God does. Verse 7, refreshing the soul, trustworthy, giving joy to the heart, radiant, enlightens, giving light to the eyes, enduring forever. All of them are righteous. David is saying, this book, this word that I've given, to, God has given to us, it's so important that I want you to have it. A man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart, have a high regard for the scripture. You want to spend time to read, to listen, to meditate, to memorize scripture. This book will keep us from sin, or sin will keep us away from this book. How much time are you spending in reading the word? How much time are you really digesting? Today, there are no excuses. There are all these devices we all have everywhere. You can read the scripture. You can be on a Bible study program. If you are looking for hard copy or help, check the bookstore right back here. They'll be able to, sh to give you things that you can be able to take for a Bible study. Every, every language. This is actually a language. There are over, some people think there are only two deaf languages. I think in my study, there are over 300 languages in this. They have the scriptures. They share the Bible in all of this language. And right now, these are saying it here. Other people are online because they want to hear the word of God. David desired that. Nothing is going to change our trajectory or what we want to see except we are reading God's word. The comfort it brings, heartbreaks, disappointment, discouragement, anger, feeling depressed and feeling lonely, your finances, your life, your marriage. God's word is, can comfort us. We need one another, but we also need the, the word of God. Hannah Job mentioned last night we had the fifth graders. They're going from fifth grade, and now they're going to be moving on to sixth grade. It's an amazing ceremony to be part of. Any, any sixth graders in here? You know, one of the gifts they give to the kids, they actually give them the scripture. But those kids have memorized, for the five years they've been over there, they have memorized 60 scriptures. You know, the word of God you're keeping the children, we believe the power in the scripture. Wherever they go, someday God is going to bubble it in their life. They will never go astray from the word of God. Let's be people of the book. What do we believe? What does Northland stand for? What does this church or your faith? It is the word of God that gives us. So David was desiring more and longing for it, reading it, changing his life, bringing transformation and answering his questions. So he was delighted in God's presence, he desired God's word. And finally, in the section, David devoted to, he was devoted to, King David was devoted to declare God's grace. What God has done for him, what he has experienced from God, he was going to declare that to everyone. And let's see what David says in those verses. Because he has talked about the word of God. And so we see in verse 12, and David said, who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sin, that they may not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. This is very personal to David. He knows what God has done in his life. He knew where he had failed God. And so he's saying here, you know what? I want to tell people the love that God is loving, that even when I have failed, God will forgive my sins. And you know, he talks about his own sins here. 
those ones he had committed with Bathsheba or maybe in his family and other things he had done. He said, these are my sins. He said, my own errors. We admit where we have failed. And David says, my own errors. So he had his unintentional sins, stuff he had done he didn't know. But he also had those hidden sins, those things that are just in us. You know, we can't see it, but it will just come out. His own hidden sins, and also sins that were dominating his own life. We struggle in the Christian life. There are some habits, there are some behaviors that are just sinful, that David is saying, I need to bring those to God because God is full of grace. What will God do with those ones? David writes, he said, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. When David talks about great transgressions, it is great. He said, this is a great one that I feel. But the love and forgiveness of God will bring refreshing to him. We bring enlightening his eyes. Everything he has said in the sermon. So the, the appearance of God in creation and what he has given to us and our desire to be people of the word of God, I trust this summer you're going to be really digging into the word of God to bring transformation. But also you need to declare God's grace. That grace that will bring salvation to anyone. The goal of really knowing more about Jesus coming to church and we're singing the songs, the goal of that is I am declaring Jesus. Billions of people are lost. What are you and I doing? Are we declaring this love of God that will bring people who are on their way to hell in sin, but to see the love of God and to trust Jesus? So if I'm a believer, I am rejoicing and celebrating God. I want to declare him like David. This is what a man after God's heart does. These are the moments that we see in the life of David, that these are the David moments. But David, I will now switch to what David, because this guy loved God. For him, worship was complete prostrate adoration of who God is. He uses seven Hebrew words we're going to go through that you can see. I've seen we've been doing some of that, and some of you do that at home online. He uses these words to express when he really wants to give praise to God. The first one of these words is called halal. Halal, it means to shine, to boast, to show, to rev, to celebrate, to be glamorously foolish. And our word hallelujah comes from that. This is not about David himself, but this is in obedience that David said, I am a guy who is going to go anywhere, I will praise God. You know, I will shout and say hallelujah. You know, God reigns. Hallelujah. Yah, God, Yahweh. I want to declare praise to him. And he used the scripture in 22, 23. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will halal you. You who fear the Lord, halal him. That is just one word that David was using for praise. May we be people of praise. Maybe some of you can jump or lift up your hands, but in your heart you want to be able to say, for God, I can be foolish. For God, now not for myself or to show forth to anyone, but for God. The second one, which uh, I know some people do it very well, I'm going to call them out shortly, is called yada, to throw to lift up your hands with open hands and up out to God with thanksgiving and with our hearts and our hands lifted up. But Mr. Mycroft, you know that, right? You can just do that because that's one of his great ones, that row of people there. That is worship. And I can see many of you just want to praise the God. You know, stretch out your hands and lift it up. And David said that's yada. And this is the scripture he gives us. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. 
I will sing the praises, Yada, of the name of the Lord Most High. So it's not about you, God. How can I praise you? So all of these 73 Psalms that David is talking, it is his praise to God. And so he's talking about the hands. And he says, Toda, the third one, means to shout to address with a loud voice, lifting and extending the hands for confession, thanksgiving, and testimony and praise. David knew when were those times his heart was broken or he had failed God and he wants to come to God and say, Oh God, I am so sorry. Oh God, I confess my sin. I give it up to you. It's a sign of surrender to our majesty and the greatness of God. And that's one of the ways that we can be people of praise. And this is what he writes. These things I remember when I pour out my soul. I used to go to the house of God under the perception of the mighty one with shouts of joys and praise among the festive throne. David was a man of worship and he just surrendered about God. Oh, can we be people who are people of praise? I know some people who say, well, I am just chosen and frozen. I'll just keep my hands there. My hallelujah just goes like this. Or goes like, That's okay. Just praise the Lord. It's not about you. It's about God himself you want to worship. David also, the fourth one, it says Shabbat, means loud shout to command joyful, loud, triumphant adoration. We have been in places where people just want to celebrate God. I have been in worship gatherings. I don't need to, to speak the language, but I can shout and praise God. Where there has been sung in another language, I can speak it in, sing it in another language. But the praise to God and David says, oh, clap your hands. Hey, I saw most of us were doing that. Oh, clap your hands. Shout, Shabbat to God with a voice of triumph. These were the ways of expression of that I love God and I want to show myself to him. And the fifth one we have here is Barak. Means to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration in love and submission, to surrender. David knew what it meant to come to those places where he would just want to bow down to God, lay prostrate on God and say, God, I just worship you. The word worship actually comes from being prostrate. Lie down and just give him praise to God. This is not about denomination or what, but it's in obedience to the scripture. David would just do those praises to God and to, um, and to express. And he writes, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. You could do this in the quietness of your own homes. Maybe you don't just want to come to the church and do this. You could do that in your, in your living room, in your bathroom, in your bedroom, in your car, which we'll see the other one we relate to some of us. And the sixth, the sixth one we have is Zamar, to pluck, to make music, to sing, to play a musical instrument. So all of this stuff we do back here, you know, we have two guitars, a keyboard, and the drums, you know. All of those are expressing expressions of worship. You know, some people, they, are, they cannot bang on any of these instruments. But you can just think driving down, and you crank off a, a music in your car, your windows are rolling, it's cool. The summertime, you're just banging on your steering wheel as you go down the ultimate. That is a Zama moment. It's a worship moment as you go around. So look for the ways that you want to be praising and honoring God. And you just want to express this. God, I'm not doing this because somebody tells me, I love you. I want to show my praise. And, and the final one is Tehillah. Means to sing a song, or song, a hymn, or a song of praise. We're going to be doing 
one of those uh, shortly again. I put a new song in your mouth, a hymn, a praised healer to God. So David is declaring all of this that if I am a man after God's own heart, I don't just need to be here on Sunday or tune in online, but my worship is everywhere, every day. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Wherever God calls you, your worship is there. You know, uh, we talked about serve day yesterday. Serve is part of worship. Romans 12. You know, I am a living sacrifice. And as I worship God, I present myself. Oh, that we will be men and women of worship. We will be men and women of praise because we know the majesty of God's creation all over us. We know God's word, but also we want to declare him. Can you imagine how many people are longing to experience God in a personal way? That's the David we've been in this series with. That's the King David, a man after God's own heart. We want to go on from David here that we are also, we have our David moments. We are people of praise. We are people of thanksgiving. We are people of confession. We are people of declaring the grace of God to men and women lost that we can see the love of God. Let me share what, uh, how David finished and what the scripture, the, uh, Dr. Luke writes about David, this man after God's own heart, in Luke chapter 13, verse 22. After removing Saul, God made David their king. God testified concerning him. God is given a witness. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. God is saying, the scriptures are saying, a man after God's own heart, I want to be that. But you know it was more than David. We've been in this series talking about one scripture, one story, one savior. The story of David, there's a bigger story, and it's in verse 35 of Acts chapter 13. It reads, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. Verse 37, but the one whom God raised from the dead did not decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. That's the Jesus. That is the one story. That is the one Savior that we proclaim. Are we people after God's own heart? Are we men and women? that we're going to continue today and every day, wherever you're joining us. I am after God's own heart because I declare him, I delight in his, in his, in his presence, but I also I, I am devoted to studying his word. Amen? Amen. Let me make a switch here to just share what is heavy on our hearts. Pastor Marsh mentioned it at the top of the service you know, and the changes that have happened in our pastoral team. It is with heavy heart for me and the pastors, our elders, our staff, our leaders, and many of our congregants too, that in this past week we, we had to announce the transition of two of our pastors, Pastor Kevin Urisko and Pastor Sean Cooper, because of our reduction in our budget for the next year. We got here after these years of difficulty. It's been very difficult to know that we love these brothers. They are very dear to us. 
And this was a step that we had to take that was hard, and we talked with them. It's, it's painful. These men will want to know it was nothing that was ethical or moral that happened, none of that. It was just another uh, decision that we had to make that was difficult. Both of these men, they have lasting uh, legacy right in this room and online. Those, they've been done your weddings, they've baptized your babies and dedicated and you know, buried uh, family members and all of that. So we want to honor them. We want to be able to say we love these brothers and we know that God will continue to walk in their lives. And we want to continue to build that relationship and connections with them. Some of you, we know that you, the connections we go to doing weddings or doing uh, funerals for family members or baptism, once a pastor, always a pastor. We want this church to be the place that we allow them to do that, even where next God we call, call them. So we want you to join us in giving thanks to God and honoring them. And if some of you want to do it in terms of an email, we have an email address that you could sell, hello at northlandchurch.net. Gratitudes of encouraging uh, things to them, or some people want to do hard copy, you could leave them at the church and they'll be able to get them from our team members. But also there will be a lot of questions. We may not answer all the questions, but as we pray for them, God, God answers every question, even though we can. But if you have questions, you could send it to questions at northlandchurch.net. But we want to deeply bathe these in prayer because this is not something that just goes away. We want to maintain relationship with our brothers and sisters until we go be with Jesus. So will you just join me as we pray for these families now? Father, we come to you with heavy hearts for loved ones. Father, we give thanks for the lives that each one of these brothers have touched and changed over the years. We pray, Father, for the power of God to be through this time with pain with the families, with friends and staff and congregation. Bring the healing only, Lord, you can bring. Father, we pray that the peace of Christ which passes all understanding. We keep all hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, we do be the one that we provide. Father, as we walk this journey, we know, Lord, that we need to draw closer to you and closer to each other. So, Lord, we pray for, for that, that you will bring that. And we pray for a mighty power of God to come upon our church to build our relationships and our community because of the gospel. Father, may through this time a difference be made for your kingdom. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.